What is happening in our world? Look around you and you see strife and conflict everywhere, especially in the Middle East. Syria is locked in a bitter civil war with little end in sight. Egypt and Libya have overthrown long-standing dictators, but cannot seem to find the way out of their problems as various factions vie for power. A very radical group called ISIS has taken vast swaths of territory in Iraq and Syria, and they claim to have formed an Islamic State. Oddly, the United States, Russia, and other strange bedfellows are working on the same side in an attempt to reverse ISIS influence. The Ukraine is in turmoil. Afghanistan and Pakistan are unstable. There is tension between Iran and Israel along with the United States and others over Iran's alleged development of nuclear weapons. And how can we forget the ongoing troubles between Israel and the Palestinians? This is only a partial list of increasing tensions around the world. By the time you see this, all these things may be old news. But one thing is sure, the Middle East and many other parts of the world will remain in conflict. Where is all this heading? Can we know? Few people understand that what is happening was prophesied in the Bible long ago. According to biblical prophecies, we are living in what is known as the end time or the last days. And these prophecies reveal what we can expect for the immediate future. On today's program, I'm going to discuss five prophecies to occur in the last days. These are events and trends that will change your world and dramatically affect you and your loved ones no matter where you live. Stay tuned. Welcome to Tomorrow's World from those of us at the Living Church of God, the sponsor of this program. The Bible is a large book written by some 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years. Part of it is historical in nature. Part is written in prose or poetry. It's filled with proverbs and parables. But surprisingly to many, between one-fourth and one-third of the Bible is prophecy, what we might refer to as history written in advance. And most of those prophecies are for our time today. On today's program, I'm going to give you five prophecies that the Bible declares will take place at the end of the age. We will see that these prophecies are being fulfilled right before our very eyes and they will affect you and me. Now the first end time prophecy to watch for is the demise of the Israelite nations. Now by this I do not mean the destruction of the state that is today known as Israel. That will happen. But what few people realize is that the people we know of as Jews 
are only a very small portion of what is known as Israel. While Jews are Israelites, most Israelites are not Jews in the same way that Germans are Europeans, but not all Europeans are Germans. This is absolutely essential to understand if we want to understand Bible prophecy. So let me explain. The Bible is mostly a book about the family of Abraham. God gave amazing promises to Abraham and these promises were passed on to his descendants. Abraham's son Isaac had a son by the name of Jacob. And in Genesis 35:10, we read that God changed Jacob's name to Israel. So sometimes we read of Jacob and other times of Israel. But these are two names for the same person. Most Bible students are aware that God promised that from Abraham and his descendants would come the Messiah. But few understand that the promises to Abraham also involved great physical blessings. For example, in Genesis the 35th chapter and in verse 11 it says, Also God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. When Israel was old and dying, he called for his son Joseph and Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. It was time for Israel to pass the birthright blessing onto Joseph, but specifically to Joseph's two sons. He first adopted Manasseh and Ephraim as his own sons, and he said, Let my name be named upon them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth." So the name Israel properly belongs to these two sons of Joseph. Then Israel pronounced individual blessings on each of the two, and in the process, guided by God, pronounced the greater blessing on the young one, Ephraim. When Joseph saw what was happening, he tried to explain to his father that Manasseh was the older of the two and should receive the greater blessing. But his father refused. Note it in Genesis, the 48th chapter, and verse 19. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. Now we come to Genesis, the 49th chapter, where we learn what is prophesied for the end time. Notice carefully the use of the term, the last days. This is what we are to expect of the Israelite nations during the times in which we are currently living. And Jacob, meaning Israel, called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. In this prophecy, Israel described various characteristics for each of his twelve sons. To Judah he said that the scepter would not depart from him. In other words, the unending line of kings, the pinnacle of which was the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was to come through his descendants. 
But to Joseph, he describes great national wealth marked by abundant natural resources and great military power with which to defend against his enemies. Similar promises are made in Deuteronomy, the 33rd chapter. Let's read them beginning in verse 13. And of Joseph he said, Blessed of the Lord is his land, with the precious things of heaven, with the dew and the deep lying beneath, with the precious fruits of the sun, with the precious produce of the months, with the best things of the ancient mountains, with the precious things of the everlasting hills, with the precious things of the earth and its fullness, and the favor of him who dwelt in the bush, meaning God. Let the blessing come on the head of Joseph. His glory is like a firstborn bull, and his horns like the horns of the wild ox. Together with them he shall push the peoples to the ends of the earth. Now consider Great Britain, a company or commonwealth of nations. Along with the United States, a single great nation, and how they pushed their enemies to the ends of the earth at the end of World War II. Try as we might, the biblical descriptions of these two brothers, Ephraim and Manasseh, cannot be found outside of America and the British Commonwealth of Nations. But the Bible shows us that when these nations are at the height of their power at the end of the age, a dramatic turn of events would occur. Because of their total rejection of God and His laws, they would fall from power. Here was a warning given to them long ago in Leviticus, the 26th chapter, verses 14 through 16. But if you do not obey me, and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes, or if your soul abhors my judgments, so that you do not perform all my commandments, but break my covenant, I also will do this to you. And what do you suppose is the very first thing God said He would do to them when they despise His law? It says, I will even appoint terror over you. Yes, America and the British people, and that includes Canada, Australia, New Zealand and South Africa, have come to despise God's laws. They cannot remove the name of God and His commandments off their monuments, out of their school textbooks, and rewrite history fast enough. And what do we see at this exact time? Terror, or terrorism. The prophecy goes on to describe famine, pestilence, and military disasters whereby they fall before their enemies. So our first prophecy to watch for and expect is the continual downfall of America, Australia, Britain, Canada, New Zealand, and South Africa. They will fall in stature, be plagued by natural disasters, and eventually collapse and be overthrown. Now the second prophecy to watch for is a dramatic increase in ethnic, tribal, and sectarian violence. Matthew, the 24th chapter, records what is known as the Olivet Prophecy. Here again, it is important to know the time setting of this prophecy. In verse 3, Jesus Christ is asked by His disciples about the sign of His second coming, 
and the end of the age. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? He then goes on to give a brief but detailed outline of end-time prophecy. We could take any number of specific predictions found in this lengthy chapter, but we'll focus on the prediction of ethnic, tribal, and sectarian violence. Here we have it in verses 6 and 7. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. Today we see small wars breaking out all around us. Tensions between nations are increasing. But this passage of Scripture is a little more specific and descriptive than it might first appear. And what it tells us is what we are seeing in our newspapers and on television newscasts. When it says nation will rise against nation, the original Greek for nation is ethnos, meaning race or tribe. In other words, one ethnic group against another ethnic group. And this is exactly what we are seeing in Africa, the Middle East, Europe, and Asia. Various ethnic, tribal, and religious groups are opposed to and war against one another on a scale that the world has rarely, if ever, seen. One specific conflict described in your Bible can be found in the book of Daniel, when a future king of the south, based in the southern Middle East, will provoke a European confederation described as the king of the north. And notice again the time setting. In Daniel 11, starting in verse 40, it says, At the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind. He shall also enter the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown. Our third prophecy to be fulfilled is one that will not happen immediately, but the stage is clearly being set for it. It is conflict leading to the annihilation of all life except for Christ's return. In addition to ethnic and sectarian violence, Jesus showed that this would spin out of control to involve whole nations and blocks of nations. Matthew 24 and verse 7. For nation, that is ethnos, will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And where did Jesus tell us all these conflicts are leading? Here is a sobering message in verses 21 and 22. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. He is describing a time when God's intervention is the only event that will prevent the total annihilation of all life from this planet. This could not have happened until the last half of the 20th century and now into the 21st. Biblical phrases such as the time of the end the time of Jacob's trouble, the end of the age, and the last days all refer to this general period. The great tribulation of the day of the Lord overlap these terms, 
but define more specific periods within the framework of end-time prophecies. Note the connection between the end of the age and Christ's return. If He has yet to return to this earth, then these prophecies have yet to be fulfilled. You need to know how they will affect you and your loved ones. Our fourth end-time prophecy is the rise of a charismatic religious leader who will deceive the world. Many parts of our world, especially the Western world, but also large numbers within countries such as China, lack a true spiritual foundation. Believing there is no God, there are no strong convictions to anchor the individual. And without a moral compass, it leaves one with no more purpose than to satisfy the self for today with little thought for the well-being of others or for tomorrow. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. In this atmosphere, when problems become acute, people are ripe to fall for a charismatic leader who seems to offer solutions. As the popular saying goes, the man who stands for nothing will fall for anything. And our world is ripe to be led astray. The Bible describes a very charismatic leader that will emerge on the world scene at the end of the age. 2 Thessalonians 2 addresses the subject of Christ's return. This, of course, is at the end of the age, but some in Thessalonica were confused by misleading reports. Paul then explained, beginning in verse 3, that two major events had to first occur. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, that is the day of Christ's return, will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The passage goes on to show that those who are lacking a foundation and the very truth of God will fall for the lies this man proclaims. He'll be a very popular figure who will perform convincing but false miracles by which he will deceive the world. Paul describes this very deceptive future leader as the lawless one. Here it is in 2 Thessalonians 2 beginning in verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Only those who know the truth and who live by that truth will understand what is happening. A fifth end-time prophecy to look for is the rise of a strong leader in Europe. This man is known in Bible prophecy as the Beast. 
That term also applies to the empire that he controls. This is a very interesting prophecy in light of what we see happening in Europe at this time. As of the recording of this program, there are 28 countries in the European Union, but the Union is anything but unified. Only 16 of the 28 share the common currency called the Euro. So in that sense, there are two tracks, an outer union and an inner core. Some nations want full integration, others want a loose union. The prophet Daniel described the nature of this union more than 2,500 years ago. In explaining to King Nebuchadnezzar the meaning of a dream he had, he described four world-ruling empires that would rise up in the area of the Middle East. The Babylonian Empire was the first one, and after that came the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greco-Macedonian Empire, and finally the Roman Empire. This is recognized by almost all Bible scholars. Other prophecies show that the Roman Empire would have a number of resurrections and would continue all the way to the time of Christ's return. In Nebuchadnezzar's dream, we have a glimpse into the final beast power at the end of the age, and it matches what we see in Europe today. Notice it in Daniel, the second chapter, verses 42 and 43. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. The time setting of this condition is made plain by the next verse. It is the end time when Christ will return to set up an everlasting kingdom. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. We see at this very moment a Europe struggling to unite. But just as iron does not mix with clay, these nations do not blend together. Each wants to keep its own language, customs, and laws. Time and again, when put to a vote of the people, federalism is rejected. But some European leaders and bureaucrats in Brussels push on relentlessly. What is evident is that there are two mindsets involving Europe. Countries such as England have rejected the Euro currency and are becoming more Euro-skeptical every day. Countries such as Germany want full integration. But even Germans have their doubts about Europe, especially in the light of the financial crises of recent years. But here's an interesting part of the prophecy found in the book of Revelation, the 17th chapter. This chapter describes both the great false prophet discussed in our previous point and the final beast power. It tells us that when all the dust settles, there will be ten kings or kingdoms that will give their power over to the beast for a short period of time. Notice this in verses 12 and 13. 
The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. As time marches onward, you need to heed Jesus' admonition, given in Luke the 21st chapter, verse 36, to watch and pray. Pray for God's guidance and protection and develop a close relationship with Him so that you don't fall prey to the coming false prophet. Learn His way of life and dedicate yourself to it. Watch world events and especially be on the lookout for the fulfillment of these five end-time prophecies. The demise of the Israelite nations a dramatic increase in ethnic, tribal, and sectarian violence, conflict leading to the annihilation of all life except for Christ's return, the rise of a charismatic religious leader who will deceive the world, and the rise of a strong leader in Europe. There are far too many end-time prophecies to cover in a short program as this, and even the ones we have covered are not covered in complete detail. If you would like to learn more about end-time prophecies, please go to our website that will be shown momentarily, where you can read or download our informative booklet, 14 Signs Announcing Christ's Return. This booklet outlines 14 end-time prophecies in detail, and provides a foundational framework for understanding end-time Bible prophecy. These prophecies are sure. They will come to pass, and they will affect your life, no matter where you live. Mankind is heading toward a crisis that is going to spin out of control, and only the return of Jesus Christ will save us from our madness. He will then begin a new age for mankind that we call tomorrow's world. Be sure to come back again to learn more about that wonderful world to come. See you next time. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. The preceding program has been produced by the Living Church of God.